As your career has grown, I bet that you've had more and more opportunities to go to or at least be invited to professional conferences to further your expertise in your field or maybe the field of your customers and clients. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the secret to success at conferences, how to get the most out of them, and how to be as effective as possible at making connections with others. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 73. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahopiak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills. Now, you may be tuning in because you've never had any formal education or training in how to communicate and lead. And now you either want to lead or need to lead or manage others. Hey, and if that's you, welcome to the club. I think most of us who are a part of this community uh, never had much leadership or communications training before moving into a management role or just wanting to be more influential with people. I know I had very little. I sure would have liked to have a whole lot more. And my hope is that by listening to this show that you'll get a lot of actionable advice and uh, information that will help you to be more and more effective. And that's why this week I'm so excited to bring you the topic of the secret to success at conferences. And one of the things I always try to do is to bring in people to this show as guests who've had some experience in doing the things that we're talking about. And about a year ago, I met uh, my friend Chuck Wood. And Chuck, uh, we were just talking this week as we sat down to record this interview. And uh, we were counting up how many conferences Chuck had been to in the last uh, year. And I think we finally uh, lost count. He was it was up to seven or eight or nine. And not only has he attended a whole bunch of conferences, but he's spoken at many conferences. And the great thing about Chuck is he's had wonderful success in building a, a large community of followers uh, who are in his area of expertise, which is programming. And I'll tell you more about Chuck when I introduce him, but I don't want to waste a moment here and get you right into my interview with Chuck Wood. I'm pleased to welcome as my guest this episode, Charles Max Wood. Charles is a freelance web developer and is also the host of the Ruby Rogues podcast, a very popular show, and JavaScript Jabber. And I have known Chuck now for about a year. We're actually in a mastermind group together for folks who are doing uh, podcast hosting and new media. And so I uh, really enjoyed getting to know Chuck and just learning so much on the technical side from him that I do not know a lot about. And so, uh, Chuck, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Hey, thanks, Dave. It's it's great to be here. Well, I'm just so thrilled to have you. And I've, uh, I wanted to learn first a little bit about your background before we get into the topic, because I'm so interested in how you got into doing what you're doing. I know you host a couple of podcasts. You're running a really successful community of people who know you and come to you for advice. And so I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about your background, how you got to doing what you're doing today. Well, sure. So um, when I was attending Brigham Young University, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in computer engineering. Um, I got a job working at a startup out here in Utah. And uh, while I was there, I uh, 
I was running their tech support department. I wasn't actually in programming. Hmm. And um, we needed some tools to help us manage the workload that we were getting because we were featured in the Wall Street Journal and things like that. And so our support load went way beyond what we could handle. And so I started programming. Um, me and another guy, uh, we, we started programming uh, basically the tools that we needed to handle the workload. And I figured out pretty fast that uh, the management track that I was on with my career wasn't the track that I wanted to be on, that I wanted to be a programmer. So um, after I'd done that, I ran the department for a year and a half. I had about 30 people working under me. Um, and, I, you know, I just got tired of it. So I, I moved on to uh, QA and I did QA for six months. And while I was there, um, I, I worked pretty closely with another QA um, engineer. And he had this new device called an iPod. Uh, and uh, yeah. so he introduced me to podcasts and explained to me that I didn't need an iPod to listen to them. Hmm. So um, I started listening to them on my work computer while I would work. And uh, I got way into that. And so I started podcasting about a year after that. Um, at the same time, the, the politics at that company... Got, they got acquired and the politics kind of got crazy and I got tired of some of the shenanigans going on there. So I wound up leaving and getting a job programming. So um, I bounced around from job to job. I spent about a year at each place I worked at. Any, anyway, eventually um, I wound up working for a company that uh, it's a company that does crimereports.com. Oh, okay. And uh, I worked there for six months. And then um, while I was there, um, they started spending more money than they were making, which hadn't been a problem before. But anyway, they there, there were some things that went on. They made some poor decisions, hiring decisions. And uh, that's pretty much um, when they decided that they had to lay some people off. So they, they laid me off and I went freelance. Um, and I'd been podcasting by then for like three years. Hmm. And uh, people people liked my shows. They liked the um, I, I was doing a screen screencast show and an interview show. And um, anyway, things things kind of worked out there so that I could uh, go freelance. And so I I wound up uh, going out on my own. And at the same time, I got together with a couple of other guys and we started Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber. Um, those are arguably the biggest podcasts in both Ruby and JavaScript programming. And uh, it's it's really just because I think we're having the conversations that people would want to have with with other developers if they could, and uh, we can always get interesting um, guests and cover interesting topics. So if there's something going on in the community or something that people want to know, then we're usually in a position to cover that and talk about it. And um, most of the guys on the show have a lot of experience, and so. Um, you really kind of get a, a well-informed and, uh, you know, or well-informed opinion from somebody who has actually, you know, been there and done it. So I think, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of our audience would have, or has at least heard the name JavaScript. I'm not sure everyone would know Ruby on Rails. I know I didn't until I met you because I just don't, um, I don't have the tech background that you do. Uh, for those who don't know, could you just give a brief explanation of what Ruby on Rails is? So Ruby is a programming language. Um, it was written by a Japanese programmer. Um, and it's it, it became popular in the U.S. Um, back in like 2004 when David Heinemeyer Hansen, he's the CTO over at 37 Signals. 
hmm. decided that they, they were going to rewrite their product Basecamp in Ruby. And so they wrote they wrote it in Ruby and uh, and then they basically extracted all the parts that they were using to build their application and made that into Ruby on Rails. And so Ruby on Rails is just a, a framework. A framework is just a set of tools, effectively a set of libraries. And so it's a set of libraries that make building web applications very easy. Um, and uh, anyway, Ruby itself is it's an interpreted language, which probably doesn't mean much if you're not a programmer. But essentially, um, most of the programs that you run on your computer, whether you're on Windows or anything else, are compiled, which means that they take the what the programmer wrote and they convert it down to machine code. An interpreted language, there's actually a program that runs and it interprets what the programmer wrote on the fly. Hmm, interesting. And so that's that's the way that Ruby works. Incidentally, that's also the way that JavaScript works. It's just that your web browser does that work for you. Got it. Got it. <clears throat> so this is actually great background because it leads right into our topic today on getting the most out of going to conferences and Every time I've talked to you this year, you have been on the road, it seems like, uh, <laughs> heading to a conference, coming back from a conference, at a conference. I've seen posts from you. And so uh, I know you've had a lot of success in making the conference experience work really well uh, in your career and in connecting with your community and the large number of people that follow you. And so I was wondering if we could, if I could kind of get a feel from you of what you've done with conferences that's made it successful. And, and you actually did this great article that I uh, read a while back on, you know, just how to get the most out of going to a conference. Uh, and I was wondering if you could, you know, one of the things you said is, you know, when you go to a conference, try to meet a whole lot of people. Uh, why is that such an important thing to do when you're going to a conference? So I, I think one of the things that I want to cover real briefly to give that a little bit of context is just that when you go to a conference, you're sitting in a session for a half hour to an hour, and the speaker, while they can cover a topic in, in the general sense, it's really hard for them to give you anything that's really, really concrete. And so most of the takeaway that you're going to get from the conference are the connections that you make. I've, I've met a lot of people at a lot of conferences. Um, most of the conferences I go are centered around Ruby at this point, so... Um, I see a lot of the same people there, but um, I mean, even new people that are new to conferences or new to Ruby or new to whatever the conference is about, um, I, I really get a, a lot out of meeting them and everybody has an interesting perspective on things. The other thing is, is that uh, as you make these connections, um, what you'll find is that other people have different expertise than you do. Mm. And so I've, I've gone to programming conferences and met SEO experts and things. Um, New Media Expo, you know, you get a wide breadth of people because you, they're, they're there because they're a blogger or, you know, because they have a business that relates to blogging. And so, you know, you meet people that do all kinds of things. But the nice thing is, is then you make those connections. And then later on, what, what happens is you can kind of uh, get a little bit of benefit from that just from um, what you talk about at the conference. And you can follow up afterward and, uh, you know, again, make that connection and make it work for you. And at the same time, you usually have something to offer to them. And so it's, it's this mutual, um, it's this mutual gain that you get from, from having met these other people. It, it reminds me of the quote from Zig Ziglar. I think it was that when he said that you can, 
you'll get what you want when you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. And if you meet more people, then I think that just increases your opportunity for that. I think this is a big mindset shift for a lot of people. I know it was for me, Chuck. I used to go to conferences and spend a lot of time thinking about what sessions I was going to go to, you know, which ones I was going to sit on, which ones I was going to go to half the session, and then go to another session. And I missed the big opportunity now looking back on really focusing my time more on making connections with people. And I know I went to conferences where I just didn't get a lot out of it in retrospect because I didn't really focus on, you know, your advice here, which is go out and meet people and actually make some of those connections. Yeah. The the other thing that comes to mind too is I know that you have a lot of people who are in management positions and things. And those connections are invaluable for that. If you own your own business, I mean, I know I have a friend that most of his business comes from people he meets at conferences. Oh, wow. You know, other people have found um, career opportunities because they met somebody at a conference. So, yeah, I, it, it really can pay off. I remember reading a book uh, a number of years ago called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And that book definitely changed my thinking on conferences because uh, his advice was don't even worry that much about what sessions and and uh, you know what you're sitting in is really to spend your time. The biggest value you can get is going to make the personal connections. And so one of the things you mentioned in your article here is you don't have to attend a session in every time slot. Uh, that kind of goes contrary to what you a lot of us think when we show up at a conference. So uh, why is that an important thing to be flexible on? Well, for one thing. Um I've gone to sessions where I kind of zoned out the whole time. It was something interesting. It was something that I really wanted to learn about, but I was exhausted. It was the last day of the conference or the next to last day of the conference, and I was exhausted. And um, some of my more productive sessions have been the sessions where I went back to my hotel room and slept for an hour. Mm. Um, you know, because really you just want to be on top of things so that you can make the most of it. Um, the other thing is, is a lot of times I'll wind up striking up conversations. I'm the kind of person... I, I don't really get energized by talking to other people, but at the same time, um, I do enjoy it. And usually the the conversations that we have are usually much more focused on something that I'm interested in. Mm. And so um, I'll start chatting with somebody. I remember at uh, RubyConf this last year, I wound up chatting with um, a couple of guys who put together different products for teaching people how to program in Ruby on Rails. And uh, so I think I missed a session sitting and chatting with them after lunch and um you know i i got way more out of that hour sitting and chatting with them than i did would have gotten out of any of the sessions i could have attended mm, interesting and uh you know if you're really interested in something you know you can even proactively go and find the people that you know are experts there and and just sit down and talk to them because most people um if they're experienced conference goers, they're not worried about being in a particular session. You know, sometimes they are because they have a friend that's giving it or something like that. But most of the time, they're not particularly bothered missing a session to sit and chat with you about something that they're passionate about. And well, so you can really just make the most of that and go and find people and talk to them. This brings up a, you know, a challenge that I think a lot of us have. I know I have is being someone that's kind of a quieter person, particularly if I'm in a room of people I don't really know that well. So I know you mentioned, you know, you don't necessarily get a lot of that energy from going out and, and talking to people, but how do you, uh, how do you make that first connection? Cause I think that's what gets a lot of people nervous about going to a conference or reaching out, 
it's kind of making that first introduction, that first connection to someone. So what have you found that's worked well for you around that? So again, at RubyConf, uh, one of the things that I experienced was um, at lunch, they, they had a bunch of tables out in the uh, convention center. And, um, you know, so people would pick up their box lunch and then go sit down. And typically you get a handful of people that know each other will go sit together. And uh, I typically don't do that. In fact, there was one guy that I, I love him to death. He's a super, super guy, smart programmer. But, you know, we kept winding up with each other. And so um, a couple of times at lunch, he'd wave at me and I'd walk the other way. Hmm. Um, and I'd go sit down at a table where I didn't know anybody. And, you know, hey, guys, you know, can I sit here? You know, whatever. And then and then you just, you know, you can take take part in the conversation they're having. Um, usually I can also look at people and go, hi, what's your name? You know, who do you work for? What do you do? You know, um, and, and even just that much will usually get the conversation started because usually they'll tell you something interesting about, oh, I work for this big company or, well, I, I work on these kinds of systems, you know, and, and, and then you just start asking questions. So, you know, what are the problems with those kinds of systems? And, you know, I've, I've looked into using that kind of technology um, but I, I didn't think it could do this, you know, and, and then you basically, um, start talking about them and you'll, you'll learn a ton of interesting things hmm. from them, um, both due to their expertise and just who they are. I had a client recently who said, one of the things I've learned is not to be interesting, but to be, but to be interested and uh, and that sounds exactly like what you've just described of making that shift of not being worried so much about, oh, I have to be interesting, I have to entertain someone, but being genuinely and truly interested in what the other party's knowledge is, experiences, and what they have to offer. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, if, if they really aren't interesting, you know, and, and by that, I mean that they, you know, they're, they're not talking about anything that you're really keen on. I mean, you, you can... You know, just politely, you know, well, I've, you know, it was great meeting you. I've got to run. And then you go and meet somebody else. Yeah. But most of the time, the the groups that I run into, there's, there's usually something that we can talk about that we're both interested in. Cool. You, One other thing that I want to. No, sorry. Go ahead. I have another tip and that is um, at the new media expo at the speakers um, event, which was Saturday night. I mean, I didn't know anybody in there. I knew like two people from the podcast mastermind and that was it. What I would do is I just, you know, people kind of gathered in clumps, you know, around the room and, you know, they would just talk about whatever. And I just, I would just walk up to the group and say, Hey, I'm crashing groups. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> nice. I, I, I'm crashing conversations, you know? Um, Hi, I'm Chuck. What's your name? And, you know, just, just go through the group. And I met a ton of fascinating people that way too. And if it's at a social gathering like that, or even at lunch or whatever, you know, where, where you have that opportunity. Um, yeah, just, just telling people, hey, I'm here to meet people is, is often good enough. And you can just get right in and start talking to people. Which is totally okay at a conference because people expect that there's going to be mm -hmm. people doing that. And in fact, most conferences, if they're smart or encouraging that, want to see that kind of dialogue happening. And uh, I think people really like that kind of honesty of just like, hey, I'm here, I'm crashing the group. And so I think the one of the big lessons here for all of us is, you know, for those of us who are maybe a little more hesitant of, you know, aren't comfortable making those connections that if we take that first step, whatever that first step is, joining someone at a table, um, just walking up to a group of people already talking, uh, more often than not, we're going to get a pretty favorable response to that. 
yeah, I've never had it where it's like, you know, this is this is a private conversation or you know anything like that. If 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 there's something like that going on, usually they'll take it somewhere private. Hmm. So you mentioned also the importance of being present in the sessions you're in. So when you do go to a session of really being there, what do you mean by that? Well, I have a lot of friends that go to these conferences and their work sends them, you know, so they're, they're the work paid for their, uh, their hotel room. They paid for them to be at the conference. And then what winds up happening is, wait a minute, you're gone. Panic time, panic time. We need you to work. And so what do they do? They go from session to session with their laptop and they work. Hmm. And it's totally counterproductive. I mean, if you're going to be in the session and you want to learn what they're talking about, put your laptop away. Don't check your email. Don't check Twitter. You know, don't play a game on your phone, but, but pay attention. And if the session isn't what you wanted, if it's boring, if it, you know, if it just doesn't meet your expectations, if they're talking about something different than you thought it would and you just don't want to hear it, get up and go to another session. My my issue is is that I can't have my laptop open and pay attention to what's on the screen and listen to the speaker at the same time. Mm. Um, so I, I put it away and I pay attention to the slides. And uh, like I said, if it's if it's something that's not interesting, then I'll pull my laptop out and start writing code, or I'll go to another room. But um, you're not going to get anything out of the sessions if you're doing other things. Well, I think that that's really. Uh insightful of getting up and actually moving because i think sometimes people get to a conference it's an hour and a half or two hour session and they get 20 minutes in and they realize it's not the right session they feel like they owe it to the conference or the speaker or whoever to sit there and sit through the remainder of the session and you just really don't have to do that yeah and the other thing is is i think some people think it's rude to get up and leave in the middle of the thing um, I was speaking at New Media Expo, and I knew for a fact that my topic was pretty advanced and would only appeal to a select number of people. And I had people getting up, you know, in the middle of my talk and walking out. And it was it was because I was talking about something that really didn't line up with what they needed, and that was fine. I had people come up afterward just raving about what I talked about. Hmm. And so, um, you know, ultimately, I'm I as a speaker at least am more interested in. Um, providing value to the people who are sitting in there. And I don't mind if people aren't finding value if they want to go to another session. Why are social events at conferences such an important part of the conference? Um, I think one of the big reasons is that if you go to a social event at the conference, um, everybody else who goes is also looking to meet people. And so it makes it a lot easier. But the other thing is, is that, um, again, it's just those valuable relationships that you get and um, especially if you're speaking at the conference, then you absolutely have to go because the conference organizer has gone to the trouble of making room for you and, uh, and for your uh, expertise. And it's another opportunity for, for both them and you to benefit from you being around. But the, the big thing is, is almost every conference I go to, um, you know, the, the, the events, the best events are lunch and dinner. Um, or if they have like a social event like that, then, you know, it's going and meeting people and shaking hands and getting to know what people are about. When I was at new media expo, they had a a meetup thing and, um, I sat down next to a couple and he's like an IT professional, which isn't the same as a programmer. Incidentally, um, he, he does like uh, server and network maintenance. Sure. And his, his wife, um, has like the oh so Pinteresting, 
um, podcast. Mm. And I, I have a passing interest in Pinterest. I've used it. I think it's cool, but I, I don't use it very regularly. And I can talk IT with him. But, I mean, just, just meeting people, just making the connection, getting to know what people are about for me was just, it was just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, in the end, I had a couple of friends that I didn't have before. I know one of the things you've had a, a lot of success with this past year is actually not just going to conferences, but getting to speak at conferences and getting quite a bit of visibility around that. And, um, you know, I'm curious as someone who's trying to kind of think of that myself, Chuck, next time I start going to conferences again and once Luke's a little older, um, for those who may want to start actually speaking at conferences in addition to just attending them, what advice would you have as far as making that transition and how to get on a radar screen of a conference? So there are a few things that you can do. I think one of the big things is that if you can, if you can become known um, for your expertise in one particular area related to where the conference you want to speak, that usually helps. So if you have a series of blog posts or a podcast or something like that, um, then, then it's easier to get on people's radar. Um, so in the Ruby community, I, I go try and speak at a conference and people know who I am. And so that helps. Um, one other thing, though, is that um, a lot of the conferences they're not always interested in having the big name speakers come. So they're not always interested in having the guy that everybody knows. Sometimes they're looking for that unknown speaker that can knock it out of the ballpark. Hmm. And if you want to be that person, then what you have to do is basically one, um, most of these conferences have a, an open call for proposals. Um, sometimes they have people who kind of curate the, um, the talks. And so you have to get in touch with them. But most of the ones that I'm, trying to speak at. They have a call for proposals. They have a form on their website and you fill it in. And what you need to put in there is um, basically have an interesting title for your talk. It can't just be, I'm talking about bread because nobody cares. Um, but, but if you can make it interesting, then, then people, you know, just put a little bit of flair in there. I highly recommend um, headline hacks. It's by uh, John Morrow, I think. Hmm. Um, super. It's like 52 tips on writing great titles and headlines. And, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that you want. That stuff is so important, Chuck. I can't uh, back that up enough. I've just writing blog posts and episodes you know, over the last year and a half, two years. It really does make a difference what something is called in the title, almost as important as putting together the content of it. Yeah. And that's the other thing is then they're going to ask you for an abstract. Um, what they usually ask for is an explanation to go into the program and then they'll ask you for any other information. And then also there's a speaker's bio, but um, the speaker's bio is like way down on the list of what's important. What you want in your abstract is basically you want to explain um, why the topic is interesting. Now, sometimes they already know this, but most of the time you want to put it in there anyway. Um, and then the other things that you want in there are um, what you're going to talk about and not just I'm going to talk about bread, but like spell out we're going to talk about why these different breads are different, why, um, you know, why you should put these things on it, you know, jam or butter or whatever. And, and then um, give them some takeaways. You know, people who come to my session are going to basically come away with these kinds of uh, ideas or skills. And if you put that in there, then that will usually um, give them enough information to decide whether or not you're a good fit for their conference. And if, if you're holding back some tidbits, 
uh, in the abstract that's going to go in the program, make sure that you give it to the organizers in another way. So if the, if there's you know more information that you didn't put in the abstract, or if they only have one field, then you can just put in there. Please don't put this in the program, but and then you know explain why the talk is going to be awesome. Because the more information you can give them, the better they're going to be able to figure out whether or not you're what they want. And over the last year, you've been spending a lot of time dialoguing with us in the mastermind about just the community of people you're you're leading, how many people reach out to you every week. And it just sounds like there's some amazing things happening with a lot of the work that you're doing. And I'm curious, what's a either a leadership or communication lesson that you've learned or breakthrough you've had in the last few years as this community's grown that's been valuable to you and might be valuable to others to learn? So I think there are two main lessons that I've learned over the last few years doing this. Um, the first one is just be consistent. Um, with the Ruby Rogues podcast, there was a while there where I had a virtual assistant that wasn't consistent about getting my episodes out. So they'd come out in spurts of two or three, and, and it was really painful, and people were a little upset about that. But um, now that we've been consistent, our audience is growing like crazy. And um, a lot of people are really interested in it, and they know that they can get it every week. They, they get an episode every week on Wednesday morning, and uh, so they can just pick it up and get going. It's the same with the JavaScript Jabber Show. It, um, it has almost as many listeners as Ruby Rogues, and it's just that we've been consistent. We've delivered um, consistently good content, and people really love it. Um, the other thing that I found um, over the last year, and this is something that has really just floored me, and that is, is that the more you give, the more you get back. Um, the more value you give to people, the more value they want to give back to you. Hmm. And so I go to the conferences and people are excited to, you know, take me to lunch or whatever. Um, if I need a favor, um, you know, I'll get on Twitter and I'll ask a question and I get a lot of responses. Um, the other thing is, is that uh, I've, I've actually reached out and said, hey, we need to get the word out about this. And the community just rallied. Ruby Rogues was nominated for um, a podcast award. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, like your uh, Ending human, human Trafficking podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were in the technology category, which is a highly competitive category. It's really hard to actually come out and win that one. But um, by the time the voting was done, we had five or six community members that were every day reminding people to go vote. Like, we didn't even have to do it anymore. Hmm. And so things like that, um, where, again, you know, we ask people to help us out and they just do. And it's because they, they see and appreciate the value that we're giving to them. And so they're, they're totally willing to reciprocate. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a Ruby on Rails course. And uh, I'm going to reach out to the community and see if I can get them to help me uh, get the word out and recommend it to their friends who may want to learn Ruby on Rails. And, um, you know, I, I really have no doubt that it's going to go crazy. I mean, the, the handful of people that I have reached out to and said, hey, can you help me get the word out on this have been great. And it's, it's usually because um, I've added some value to them in one way or another, and they are totally willing to go, go out and do the same for me. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, I have such a better opinion of people in general than I did w before I started this. And it's, it's just because people are awesome mm. and they care. That's interesting. How so? Well, before, before I started podcasting and really, you know, being involved in a community, 
Um, I just generally thought that people were self-interested. And for the most part, people are. But at the same time, you know, if they feel that camaraderie with you, then then they are willing to go out on a limb for you. Hmm. And so I realized that people aren't just always self-interested. They're not always about me. Um, a lot of times they'll do things that aren't necessarily rational for them to do, even for perfect strangers. Um, and it's just because um, they care. They care about this or that. Um, they care about people. And, and most people are good people. And, uh, you know, that, that's just been reinforced over and over for me. For people who'd like to connect with you or one of your shows, what's the best way for them to do that? So Ruby Rogues is at rubyrogues.com. JavaScript Jabber is at javascriptjabber.com. Um, if you want to learn Ruby on Rails, you can go to railsrampup.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as cmaxw. That's my first initial, middle name, last initial, C-M-A-X-W. Um, you can email me, chuck, at devchat.tv, which is where I'm building my uh, podcast network for programmers. Nice. And um, so, so those, are, those are kind of the best ways to find me. And I will be sure to get all of those on the show notes as well for those who want to connect with Chuck. Uh, he's a great resource in so many of these areas and, uh, and super generous with his time and, and expertise and making connections too. So I'm, uh, I'm so glad to have gotten connected with you, Chuck. Well, thanks, Dave. Chuck Wood is the host of Ruby Rogues and the host of JavaScript Jabber. Chuck, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Certainly one of the things that you heard again and again in our conversation was the importance of all of us individually. Taking that first step, having the confidence to make that connection with others. So whether it's going to a conference and sitting down at a table, we don't know anyone, or maybe uh, you know being that conversation crasher like Chuck was talking about and uh, just starting that conversation for the first time, I'll tell you, that's the biggest challenge for me. I know when I get over that hump, the rest of it seems pretty easy, but it's that initial confidence that we all have to get over. So I hope that you will take a moment to think about as you're finishing up listening to the show of what's something you could do this week that if you took the first step on would get you moving on something that would contribute to your success and how you communicate or lead with others. Doesn't mean you have to go to a conference this week and do this. You could do this in a lot of different places. And I bet you there's at least one or two things that have popped into your mind already. If you would take action on that, that is going to help you to get value right away. And for more resources, you'll want to go check out the show notes for this episode. That's at coachingforleaders.com forward slash the number 73. That'll get you there. You can also always uh, interact with me and the Coaching for Leaders community. Uh, there's three good ways to do that. Uh, one is to go to the coachingforleaders.com website. Every episode, we've got the show notes up there. But at the bottom of the show notes, there's a place you can actually engage in conversation with me, guests of the show, and other members of the community. And if you want to do something this week that'll push you out of your comfort zone and take that first step, I challenge you to put a comment up there or send me an email and let me know what would you like to hear on this show coming up? What would be most helpful to you as a listener that'll help you to communicate and lead more effectively with others? And you can do that by either leaving me a voicemail at 949-38-LEARN, or you can email me directly feedback 
at coachingforleaders.com. Before I let you go, a reminder that you can stay connected with this community throughout the entire week with dialogue, resources, articles, and quotes by connecting uh, with me and this community on our Facebook page or uh, with me on Google+. And I wanted to thank very much Jeffrey Powers, Evelina Vuli, Caesar Abid, Susie Farthing, Michael Farthing, Risto Mananang, Christy Cole, and Christina Caesar for uh, either liking our page on Facebook or following me on Google Plus this week. And if you'd like to do that, go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook or coachingforleaders.com forward slash plus. And I did want to say a very special thank you to Susie Farthing. Susie, it's great to have met you in the last couple of weeks and thank you for the kind review on iTunes. I so appreciate that. Hey, if you would like a midweek booster shot, I send an email article out every single week by email, usually on Wednesdays. If you'd like to get that in your email box, just go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe, and that'll get you on the list. Have a great week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Take care, everybody.